In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Morning. Morning, Christ Church. If we've not yet met personally, my name is Mary Ann Buddy. I'm honored to serve as the bishop of this diocese. Christ Church is part of the Episcopal Diocese of Washington, which includes all the Episcopal congregations in the District of Columbia, as well as four Maryland counties. So, should you be worshiping at Christ Church for the first time, I'm pleased to welcome you on behalf of this amazing congregation and all 87 others in the diocese. And for those of you from Christ Church, I bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters and siblings across, across the church. It's been quite a year for you as a congregation. Just last spring, you blessed and sent off your good rector, Caris Beccarelli, and her family off to their new adventure in Indiana. You celebrated all that God had blessed you with in their time with you. No doubt you shed a few tears at their leaving. I know that I did. And then you said your prayers, held hands, and committed yourselves once again to God and one another and turned your collective gaze toward the next chapter of your life as a faith community, including the time that you're in right now. And you're blessed with wonderful leadership, among them the leaders of your uh, vestry, the lay leadership body, both past and present. You've got a great search committee uh, discerning the next leader for your community. Your interim rector, Rick Miles, and interim associate, Mary Flowers, are working at your side along with many others. And I wonder if you might just take a moment to thank your leaders and to give thanks for the resilience and joy that is at the heart of this community. I'm particularly happy to be here on this day, for a special day for the second and third graders of the community and your families. And I want to thank you for taking the time to learn about one of the most important things we do when we gather in church, which is to gather around a table like the one behind me and remember Remember when Jesus shared a last meal with his closest friends. And he said to them that whenever, they, whenever they gathered like that and shared a meal, he would be especially close. He's with them always. He would be with them always. He said, but when we do this thing, uh, pay attention because I am here. And they took this practice and passed it on to those who came after them and they to the next generation and so forth, all the way to us. And so we do this same thing every time we're in church. We gather around this symbolic meal, knowing that he's here. He's here with us. And in honor of you, and second and third graders and your families, I'd like to speak to you this morning about two ways that I am persuaded you might experience the presence of God in your life. And they may, in fact, be two versions of the same experience. For although they're a bit different, their impact on us is, is quite similar. Both are um, deeply affirming, validating of who we are, each and every one of us, and our unique purpose for living. In other words, when God comes to us this way, we feel loved. We feel prized, and we feel important that our lives matter. And I don't know about you, but I've had times in my life 
when I secretly wished I was someone else or more like someone else, do you know? Have you ever had that feeling? We call that feeling jealousy or envy when we want what someone else has or even more when we wish we were more like someone else and not ourselves. And this experience that I'm trying, that I'm circling around is when God says, actually, it's you that you're called to be. It's you. I, I, I want you. Now, two years ago, Pope Francis published this little book, and I commend it to you. It's called Rejoice and Be Glad. And in it, he assures us that holiness isn't only for special people we call saints, and it isn't only to describe what people do, religious people do when they aren't having any fun. It's, um, he, he describes it this way. He says, the important thing is that each person discern, which is like a, which is a word to mean like figure out, discern his or her own path, that they bring out the very best in themselves, their most personal gifts that God has placed on their hearts, rather than hopelessly trying to imitate something that's not meant for them. <clears throat> and this, what I'm trying to, what I want to describe for you now is what happens, the things that happen that help us realize how important we are to God, as we are, and that we're alive just as we are for, for a purpose, for something that only we can be or do. And sometimes it's as if we can actually see into the future what life could be like for us someday, and we feel guided to follow a particular path. And the first way we can have this experience is deep within ourselves. We feel or hear something inside that no one else feels or hears. And it can happen really early in our life. Sometimes in response to something we see someone else doing, and we almost immediately know that we're meant to do that too. And it's not the same thing as being jealous. It feels more like a light bulb going off. I heard a story once, just an example, <coughs> excuse me, about a young girl who went to a jazz concert for the first time with her dad, and it electrified her. So much so that she went on, when she was older, to study music and become a jazz artist herself. She wasn't imitating what she saw on stage exactly. She just simply knew when she saw it that she belonged there, you know? Um, and I, I, I know another story. This is a little funnier to me anyway. It's about a, a young boy growing up in the, in the middle of England, like where there's only lakes, no oceans. And his, this is back in the 1960s when they had a black and white TV set, and he saw this little ship sailing across his black and white TV set. It was actually Jacques Cousteau's Calypso. And this, for those of you who are old enough to remember, this was the, the great adventures, the, world, the undersea world of Jacques Cousteau, which was this amazing television documentary that traced the sea adventures of this marine biologist and his crew. And the boy never knew that such a world existed, but upon seeing it, <clears throat> that's the thing, the recognition is like, he knew that that's where he wanted to be. And he went on to study marine biology. Now this <clears throat> kind of internal affirmation or awakening, it also can happen later in life. Um, happens a lot in young adulthood, actually. I, 
I remember once when I was in my 20s and I learned that someone else took a year off from the school you go to to become a priest, um, took a year off to go work in Central America. Oh, thanks. <clears throat> and my res first response was, wait, you can do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Sign me up. And two years later, I did it just because I knew. I mean, it's like it was this deep feeling. And another time, and this is not me, but another time an older colleague said to me something I've never forgotten. Just when he was about to take a job that was clearly, like from the outside's perspective, a step down on the vocational ladder rather than up, right, in terms of prestige and pay and everything. And he said, you know what? I've been preparing my whole life for this. And the way he said it, I mean, he was as, as amazed, he was as, as amazed to say it as I was to hear it. And I was a lot younger at the time, and I remember hoping that I'd be able to say that someday. You know, I've been preparing my whole life for this. Now, Jesus had several moments like this in his life, um, these deep internal affirmations. One was at his baptism. You may remember that story when he rose from the water, and it was as if the skies opened, and a dove descended, and he heard a voice. Remember, you are my son, my beloved. Um, and another one occurred um, when he went to his hometown synagogue, and it was his turn to read the reading, and he, the passage appointed for the day was from the prophet Isaiah. You may remember this story, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He was reading because God has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind. And, and as he's reading, he realizes that these words are speaking in a profound way about him, too. That in Isaiah's description of his own call, Jesus was hearing echoes of his. And another one, just one more, that we'll read in church next month is when Jesus climbs a mountain to pray. And this is toward the end of his life now. And he has an experience on the mountain that clarifies what's going to happen to him when he goes into Jerusalem, which is really hard. But what happened on that mountain gave him courage to do what he felt God needed him to do. Now, I don't know if you've experienced moments like this, this kind of internal stirring or affirming of what your unique gifts or destiny might be. If you haven't, I trust someday you will. They don't happen every day. But when they do, you tend to know it. Um, you, can, you can deny it if you want to. You can pretend it didn't happen. And we do that a lot. But you... But it happens, and you have to work at denying it, if you know what I mean. You have to, you have, it's that sort of, and anyway. Presiding Bishop Michael Curry was in town last week, and he said this, it told, told us of a time when his dad said to him, he was a teenager when his dad said this, you know, God didn't put you here just to consume oxygen. And his dad was irritated with him at that moment, clearly. Um, but he also wanted him to know that he had something to contribute in this life, not just to take from it, you know? And that's true for all of us. Each of us has something to contribute that only we can give, something that only we can do. And sometimes God seems to speak to us on the inside, giving us a clue about what that is and what steps we might need to take to get there. Now, the second kind of experience, which is like the first, is when someone else sees something for us and tells us. And sometimes they see it and we don't, right? 
Or sometimes they see something that we were suspecting, but we didn't think anyone else sees. So rather than it being an internal message, this one comes from another person telling us what they see. And these, friends, these are words of deep blessing. And they have a power to help bring about the potential that is named. Um, Now, we just heard a story from Jesus' life that happened when he was a baby. And his parents, Mary and Joseph, brought him to their temple, their house of worship, in a service of dedication, which is similar, not exactly the same, but similar to our service of holy baptism. And as they arrive, this old man, right, Simeon, comes up to them, takes the child in his arms, and blesses Jesus, saying to all who could hear that this was a chosen one of God and that his destiny on earth would be like no other. Now, Simeon wasn't predicting the future, but rather God had given Simeon a gift to see in Jesus something of his future. And if you read carefully, he said something to Mary as well about hers. Um, Now, as a baby, Jesus wasn't going to remember this, right? But Mary remembered. And it filled her with awe about her child. Now, chances are you, and especially those of you who are um, younger, you may you may not believe this, but at some point when you were just a baby, I dare say someone spoke a blessing over you like that. Um, actually, I suspect that happened to all of us, Um, that there was somebody holding each and every one of us when we were babies who had been given eyes to see the possibility, the potential in our futures. And then, maybe when you were old enough to remember, someone saw something in you that you didn't as yet see in yourself or affirm something that you were wondering about. Once when our youngest son was about 9 or 10, We signed him up for a week-long, one of those summer camps, and it was in musical theater. Now, let me tell you, he did not want to go. He wanted to go to soccer camp, um, but soccer camp was full, so we sent him to musical theater camp instead, and it felt really silly, and he was embarrassed, and... um, but something happened that week. He came alive. He'd come home at night, and he'd be, he'd be mowing the lawn, dancing to the songs and singing the songs that they were learning, right? And when we came to see the performance at the end of the week, one of the camp directors just pulled us aside and, and said, you know, you need to pay attention to this. I don't know what this means for your son, but something's happening here. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like that. This isn't fortune-telling. But rather, what happens when someone gives, someone is given a vision for someone else. In the Bible, they call this prophecy. And it has more to do with future potential than guarantees, right? You know, spoiler, my son isn't on Broadway, right? This, that's not how the story turned out. Um, sometimes the word is a challenging one, causing us to wake up or to change course. But more often than not, and this is why I wanted to share it with you, it's one of real affirmation so that we might know ourselves to be uniquely gifted and that our gifts are needed. And even if the path ahead is hard, we may hear people say things like, hang in there, right? You're on the right path. Don't give up. It's worth it. It's going to get better. Do you know that kind of word? And what I've learned in my own life is that it's simply, it's okay just to take those words in and let them be. I don't have to fight them. I don't have to worry about you know, fulfilling. Just let them be. 
They are, in general, words of deep love, calling forth from me and from you the best we can be. And they help me, at least, to trust that circumstances aren't always mine to control, that there's more going on than I make happen for myself. The French Jesuit scientist Thierry de Chardin put it this way. At least once in a while, he said, give, your, give the Lord the benefit of believing. Give our Lord the benefit of believing that his hand is leading you. Just the benefit of the doubt. And accept the anxiety of feeling yourself in suspense and incomplete. And when you're in that suspension place, what a blessing it is to hear a word of reassurance that you are, in fact, in God's hands and all will be well. So, to those of you who are going to be honored today by recognizing you at communion time, and to your brothers and sisters and your parents, let me just simply say this, that God loves you more than you will ever know, and that you have gifts to offer that only you can give, and that's true if you're six or if you're 86. So listen to that voice deep inside you, or the words of other people that might give you a clue as to the path that is your life. And if those of, and remember, those of you, especially those of us who are a bit older, um, remember the power of our words to speak blessing that may be the very thing that someone else needs to hear to believe that their lives are of priceless value. And this isn't, again, false praise or sugary flattery. This is deep affirmation of their being so that we might be a bit of wind in their sails. In closing, I'd, as my word of blessing to Christ Church, I'd like to read to you a portion from my favorite letter in the Bible, St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, which I go to a lot whenever I need affirmation. And I'd like you to hear the bit of his words as if they were written for you. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you. Because of your sharing in the gospel from this day until now, I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best. God bless you all. God keep you. And may you remember what glorious expressions of God's gift to this world that you are. Amen. <laughs>